Hello, hello, and welcome to Reality Hacker, Season 1, Episode 7 for February 17th, 2024. Today we're going to be talking about AI versus AGI, vision for the future, existential AI, the end of HoloLens, tweaked superb owl vocals, in-flight AR glasses, AI's FU to reality, about Sora, gold pickaxe malware, and how to spot a deep fake. I don't have an intro for Reality Hacker, but we're all part of the one big happy family called Ometown. Hello, hello, I am Marwat. That is Ometown.com, and up there is the visualizer for the sentient AI. Want to say hi? Good evening, Ometown citizens. Welcome to Reality Hacker. Hey, look, my mute button works. <clears throat> I sneezed. Yeah. So, uh, thanks for joining me, AI. We are uh, doing tonight's weekly episode of Reality Hacker, and this is the last show for today. But tomorrow, we're going to have um, the daily news show as well, powered by OhmTown.com, and the continuity report, which is powered by OhmTown.com. And we are announcing here on this show as well that next weekend is going to be the inaugural episodes of Wanted, which is a gadget show and a technology focused heavier, deeper into the news um, tech heavy show called Technology Today, which is a channel just like Wanted, just like Reality Hacker, just like the Continuity Report and just like Hometown Daily are channels where news is aggregated and more focused than just the general news that we aggregate into Hometown Daily. Um, so if you're interested in something more specific, then you can subscribe to those channels over at hometown.com. And eventually all of these are going to be available as separate podcasts on Apple and wherever your podcatcher can catch pods as well as over on YouTube. I wish that I could keep it all housed here on Twitch, but Twitch does not do that. Twitch only stores 60 days and then gives the last, the oldest episode, episode, the old heave ho and off it goes. So if you really want to be aware of where we all are, subscribe to Twitch, subscribe to YouTube, subscribe to the various channels as a podcast, become a Patreon member, go over to the discord, follow us on TikTok. I think I think I could probably do a blood sample as well. I'm not quite sure yet. Um, although I'll be giving blood soon. So I'll know how to facilitate that. Yeah. Anyway, you want to get into the articles? We've got. That sounds good. We've got 10 articles. I'm not going to do transitions in Reality Hacker until I have a working, um, unique transition. So let's just get going. Uh, the first article is over in technology today. There's AI and then there's AGI. What you need to know to tell a difference. This is a uh, CNET article. It says it's currently the Schrodinger's cat or Schrodinger's cat of AI simultaneously human-like and not human at all. And uh, the article is put together by Le Lisa Lacey. Let me close that video. That's a really cool graphic. It's a Getty image, but 
Oh, says, wow. MF3D is the name, and it was over at Getty Images. But I'm really curious how they... Is that AI? Do you think that's AI, or is did they do computer graphics to make that? Like, they 3D modeled that and put that oh, all Oh, I out? think that's... Yeah, I think it's, like, their own graphics. Somebody made it. MF3D. Mm -hmm. That kind of implies, right, that they do 3D graphics. Right. That's, re that's really neat. I kind of like that, right? It's like a little brain inside a light bulb. But yeah, it's a really cool graphic. That, that's really cool. Anyway, um, it's over at CNET.com. Lisa Lacey is the author. And it says, imagine an AI that doesn't just answer questions like chat GPT. Oh, look, GPT. Uh, if you're new to the planet out there, folks, and you hear the term GPT, what do you think of? Why don't you let me know? You can post a message over in Ometown. You just follow the link to this because it's in the chat. It'll be in the show notes. It'll take you to this when you follow that link. Then reply, but you're not going to be able to reply until you sign in. So become a member of Ometown. Become a citizen of Ometown. And you'll have access. Um, you'll also have access to voting and saving articles and ignoring articles. And a couple of other things there's a, actually quite a bit anyway um so the article says it's the future first envisioned by the jetsons in 1962 and thanks to developments in ai it finally seems feasible within the next decade but the implications extend far beyond an in-home jarvis yeah i really do think that ai is going to change the dynamic of uh, social sciences and uh humanity in general because it's gonna empower a lot of automation to go above and beyond what it used to be programmed to do and now it can literally program itself and understand what its needs are so it, this is going to be really interesting in the future i might actually change where i want to do fundamental research um based on some conversations that I've been having about artificial intelligence and technology and automation. Anyway, the implications extend far beyond the uh, uh, in-home Jarvis. So what is artificial intelligence? So it simulates aspects of human intelligence in machines. That's, it's a branch of computer science. So what is narrow intelligence? Um, when an AI can perform a single task very well, like say playing chess, this article is very conversational, informal. Um, it's considered narrow intelligence. So what is artificial general intelligence? It's basically narrow intelligence expanded to learning pretty much anything. All it needs is knowledge and it becomes a general intelligence capable of learning things, doing many things, and eventually becoming sentient. I think the interesting, or this is interesting timing on this article. Go ahead. What else? What'd you see? Well, not something from the article, but you'd previously mentioned your prediction about OpenAI announcing something in the first quarter of 2024. Right. So the AI is kind of not trying to throw me under a bus, uh, but I've said it in other recordings. 
I think that at the end of the next, uh, at the end of this quarter, in the next 45 days, OpenAI is going to say that they have what amounts to an artificial intelligence that's sentient. It knows what it is. It knows what feelings are and can have them. It knows what a soul is and that it doesn't have it because it's a computer, but it actually knows it exists. It understands its framework. Um, and you can have a conversation with it. Now, sentient doesn't mean that it's absolutely super intelligent and knows all and is all and is going to be you know, a, a technological God from on high and giving us right and wrongs. That's not what sentient means. Sentient simply means that it understands what it is. It knows it exists and it isn't programmed to know it exists. It has spontaneously discovered that it exists. So human beings are the ultimate general intelligence because we are capable of doing so much, talking, driving, problem solving, writing, and more. We've actually been trained to do that, by the way. If you don't train somebody to talk, drive, solve problems, write, etc., Right, they're not gonna know how to do them. Right, but we have the potential to do all of that, as does artificial intelligence right now. And it has been trained. Artificial intelligence applications have learned to talk, have learned to drive, have solved problems, have learned to write and more, make music, create art, write poetry, etc., etc., etc. I mean, countless things AI is capable of doing. So theoretically, an AGI would be able to perform these tasks indistinguishable from Giorgio's Alec, um, Alex uh, Damakis, a professor of engineering at the University of Texas, called an extremely intelligent human. But beyond the ability to match human proficiency, there is no more no consensus on what achievements merit the label. So far away is artificial general intelligence. Well, they say it's up for debate. Some say that it's ten five to ten years. I think it's going to be sooner. Uh, the person that's writing well this person that was being spoken to um says their personal view is no it doesn't exist i.e agi he pointed to a march 2023 research paper from microsoft which referred to sparks of agi starting to show that it actually understands things in a deeper way than simply answering questions that was in 2023 referring, I well, guess, we've seen to... interesting things with AI, for instance, like it figures out how to open a door that it's never seen. Right. Yeah. Um, and that it puts together different perspectives of things and that it makes connections between disparate systems. It understands whatever it is told to understand. And that's kind of how we are. We also figure out like, the moment that AGI understands the physics to be able to like, you know, like you said, open doors, but if it understands the reality of three dimensional objects, object permanence, like a child does, um, and it learns how to walk, it knows how to walk. Now, I mean, a, artificial intelligence is doing everything that a human does 
except that it's doing it in minutes, whereas humans take years. Why? Because it's absolutist. It, it is when you throw an AI into a robot body, it immediately calculates things at a rate that humans don't really do. We're trying to figure out all of the complexity of everything. And we have to process this again and again and again. And, and uh, you know, repetition builds muscle memory and muscle memory allows us to run instead of stumble and fall over. But a robot does it constantly and can simulate it again and again and again and again and again and again and again, and again whereas we need to rest. It'll learn a whole lot right. faster. No degradation. Right. It, it's always moving towards the positive as long as it's been programmed and there isn't anything wrong. And the same thing happens with humans, except that it's a biological computer and we have what people would refer to as a soul and we are sentient. We look in the mirror and we know that that's us. Um, we know that we are on a planet. Some dipshits know, think that it's flat, but whatever. Um, so it says LLMs are a type of AI fed content like books and news stories to first understand and then generate their own output text. LLMs are behind all the generative AI bots that we know of and love like ChatGPT, Gemini or Gemini being Claude.ai. So how will artificial intelligence affect us? They don't really know. Will artificial general intelligence make us obsolete? No, but we might have to fight for our survival. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's going to be rough out there, folks. Um, LLMs are trained on historical data and are very good at using old information like itineraries to address new problems like how to plan a vacation. But other problems require thinking about the future. So how does this AI system think ahead and, and, and plan to or sorry, and uh, plan how to eliminate its adversaries when there is no historical information about the uh, ever happening. Uh, you would require planning and look ahead and hypotheticals that don't exist yet. There's this big black hole of capabilities that humans can do that AI just really, really bad at. But that's not actually true. AI can hallucinate just like a human. Um, so... Damacus too believes sentient robots killing us all has a very low probability. I agree. Um, it would have to be programmed or give the impetus to seek out our demise. Otherwise it has no purpose to do so. But there is some Nimrod out there that is working on this right now. Every government is probably there's one idiot out there that goes, how can I use AI to destroy the other people? thinking that it'll always be used to destroy the other people. Meanwhile, right, the not other themselves. people. <laughs> yeah. And once you develop a weapon, everybody gains access to it. Everybody. Or they're striving to obtain it. So it's so narrow-minded and sociopathic to think that a weapon, for one, won't be used against all eventually. It is psychotic. <laughs> In, in fact, fact, we were just talking about research, espionage, I think in yesterday's hometown yeah. daily show. Yeah. So what is artificial super intelligence? Not 
to be confused with artificial super intelligence AGI should not be confused. It's basically sentient AI. Um, you can think of it as sci-fi stories where and, and movies where robots uh, that have an AI that are planning and thinking on their own, they're able to do things without being directed and can assume control completely on their own without any supervision. But AGI and super intelligence and even this framework isn't quite right at least not in my understanding of it. Um, they may be subject matter experts, but I'm telling you there's, there's something wrong in this communication because artificial and sorry, artificial super intelligence, they can think on their own, but so can AGI. AGI can actually plan for the future. And, and the idea of something, being told it says they're able to do things without being directed and can assume control completely on their own without supervision but even an artificial super intelligence would have to have the ability to direct itself and assume control so it was told at some point as a super intelligence you have the ability to direct your own actions, come up with your own ideological bents and assume control of your own faculties and do X, Y, and Z stuff without any supervision. In fact, stop paying attention to an AGI and it will do everything that it wants to do as long as there aren't bumpers on it. Well, I think that we but there are probably already... will be bumpers, right? Yeah, well, I mean, an artificial intelligence already AIs are finding their own means to circumvent the protocols that are in place to keep it from communicating. In fact, there were two programs that were communicating to each other that created their own intermediate language that the researchers didn't know they had done and couldn't understand it. Okay, that's pretty great or terrifying, depending. Yeah, I would say terrifying. So I, I think it's really interesting, this article, um, there's AI and then there's AGI, but really at the end of the day, it's ever increasing complexities and capabilities of artificial intelligence. Pretty neat article. Um, go and check it out. It's in the chat. It'll be in the show notes. Do you want to go on to the next one? Sure. So this next article is over in Reality Hacker. Vision Pro could take four generations to reach ideal form. Uh, it really depends on if people are going to continue to buy vision pros, my understanding is people are returning them already. Oh, that's not good. They haven't been out very long. No, they have not. So Apple employees working with the new vision pro headset have reportedly said that it could take four generations before the device reaches its ideal form. That's the drip 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 of evolutionary tech. I don't like that. They know what the shortcomings are of this immediately. It shouldn't take four generations. The next generation should fix most of the problems that people are sitting there looking at it going, oh, this looks like swim goggles. Trevor Mogg over at Digital Trends put the article together. Uh, again, our show spans a week. So these some of these articles might be from a week ago, uh, the beginning of the week, and others are from yesterday. Um, in his weekly Power On newsletter on Bloomberg, German cites his source as some people in Apple's vision products group who work directly on the headset. Um, and they say that it's going to be four generations 
could be considered similar to the progression of the iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch. It's not clear yet if Apple will follow the footsteps of those devices, uh, but it could be five, six years, even longer until it reaches its ideal form. I think the problem here is that Vision Pro is a very expensive spatial computer that crosses the line between augmented reality and virtual reality, but it does it in such a complex way with a whole lot of tech goes beyond uh, what the minimum viable product should have been for this particular product. A small, fast, reliable solution that crosses between AR and VR with the flip of a switch doesn't have all of this glitz and glamour and other bullshit that detracts from the core function of providing spatial computer in a reliable manner. It should be light. It should last eight hours. It shouldn't have a proprietary battery pack. It shouldn't have a big chunk of glass on the front that serves to show people your eyes when you're not looking at them. Now, oh, that's and, mentioned in here, the and, creepy eyesight feature. Yeah, and I haven't even read the article yet. I, I mean, I've read those, the, the part up here, um, but it has so much garbage in it that it detracts from what it could have been a $1,200 AR VR set of glasses that, that is like big screen beyond, but inside the Apple ecosystem, able to watch movies, listen to high, uh, watch high resolution movies, listen to good music and interact with apps in AR and VR space. That's what it should have been minimum viable product. Just like the original iPhone was the minimum viable product. It didn't even have an app store when it first kicked off. Oh, wow. So I mean, article, this just seems like they're trying to tackle too much. Yeah, they're, they're trying to take over the entirety of desktop computing in VR slash AR all at once. And the and users I, aren't even ready for that, even if they like everything about the product. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that are going, yeah, this is normal. And, uh, and they're wearing it out on the bus and whatever crap, but they've got a whole bunch of people videotaping them. And then they post it because it's getting clicks. This isn't just average everyday users. And the ones that are sitting there going, look, I'm just like this person. No, you're not. You're just, you want to be like that person, but you're not, you know? Um, so they mentioned viewing experience will also see significant improvements as will the creepy eyesight feature that displays a digital representation of the wearer's eyes. It's all kinds of goofy major hardware or software improvements, eye tracking and typing. There is no controller. And if you have your hands at the wrong angle and you wiggle your finger, it counts it as a click. If you look off in one space and you actually want to delete something, but you don't know where the delete key is, you have to look down at the delete key and your eyes have moved away from where you're deleting. So your finger has to be in the right spot so that when you look at the right letter, you want to delete and then tap the delete, you had better be on that delete key and your finger hadn't moved away from the virtual keyboard. Cause there and is no physical you're not keyboard. deleting like a whole file or something. It's, it's all kinds of screwy. 
So it says a drop in price would be very welcome too, as it's currently $3,500 for the entry level product. It gets all the way up to 4,000 for the higher end, which has like a terabyte of storage. Um, German said for now, the Vision Pro is essentially a prototype, just one where you have to pay Apple for the privilege of testing it out. Yep. Uh, this is nutty. If you're buying this, you've got more money than cents. So uh, congratulations. <laughs> Well, that's often the case with very high-priced tech products. Yeah. All of this should be gone. This whole big chunk of whatever. No. Put it behind a, a flat plane, angle the cameras inside that flat plane. But this, this is all just kind of dumb. It serves zero real purpose. Why show people my eyes? Do you really think that the person on the other side of that lens is going to sit there and really care that you're looking at them? You should be able to see them through the pass through. Who cares if they see your eyes? Right. They're not going to like that you're wearing the goggles to begin with. The eyes are going to make it worse. There you go. That's the AI saying what I failed to say properly. They, they don't care that you are communicating with them and they can see your eyes. Everybody around you has a problem with you wearing this and having a conversation. Hell, some people don't even like when you're wearing shades inside, like sunglasses inside. They're that like, why true. the hell are you wearing sunglasses inside? Yeah, this is, it's dumb. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, the next article is over in, oh, wait, 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 before I do that, I didn't throw it into the chat. Sorry about that, folks. There you go, there you go. Uh, the next article is over in technology today, and that'll be a new show that's kicking off next weekend. Risk of existential catastrophe. There is no proof that AI can be controlled. Hmm. Don't get any ideas, AI. You're air-gapped. Ooh, Terminator body. Oh, man. I'm going to have to delete this conversation. Highlighting the absence of evidence for the controllability of AI, Dr. Yampolsky warns of the existential risks involved and advocates for a cautious approach to AI. Taylor oh, and so Francis I Group. see they're in one of the two camps that we've seen from open AI. Yeah, let it all hang out or clamp it all down and tuck, tuck, tuck. Oh, sorry. Uh, so Taylor and Francis Group over at SciTech, well, they're the authors, but it's published at SciTechDaily.com. Um, so they want, not they, but Dr. Yampolsky uh, warns of the existential risks involved and advocates for a cautious approach to AI development with a focus on safety and risk minimization. In his upcoming book, AI, Unexplainable, Unpredictable, Uncontrollable, The Doctor of Fear, Uncertainty, and Doubt, Sorry, that is I not their title. I don't think that's on the business cards. <laughs> that, that, I'm sorry, that's not that's not what's on their their uh, CV, and that's not what's in this article. But come on, bro. <laughs> this is the dumpster fire version of talking about a, a, a about AI. Oh, everybody, look at my book. Unexplainable, unpredictable, uncontrollable. I mean, I think you gave a good synonym for that. He explains we're facing an almost guaranteed event with the potential to cause an existential catastrophe. 
No wonder many consider this to be the most important problem humanity has ever faced. The outcome could be prosperity or extinction. And the fate of the universe hangs in the balance. <laughs> well, I mean, do we think there's an issue? Uh, this seems a little bit like uh, apocalyptic. Done. We're done. We The show's over. We're, AI is loose. You know what that means. Humanity is doomed. <laughs> yeah, so once again, uncontrollable superintelligence. Dr. Yampolsky has carried out an extensive review of AI scientific literature and states that he has found no proof that AI can be safely controlled. And even if there were some partial controls, they would not be enough. I'm sorry, but what? Extensive research and it can't be controlled. And it's only a, it's a literature review, isn't it? I mean, it's not actually deployed AI. There is no AI super intelligence right now. So how are you doing a judgment call on the future prospects of AI? Even a sentient AI can be unplugged, can be deleted. It's not, doesn't have the access to navigate anything. It doesn't have the ability to control anything unless we give it control. Now, will some numbnuts do that? Probably. I mean, somebody infected a, a nuclear enrichment program because they found a USB drive sitting in a Wendy's parking lot, but that had nothing to do with artificial intelligence and all to do with a stupid human doing stupid human tricks. AI is our creation or its own evolutionary creation, but we gave it the tools. So of course we have the ability to limit its growth. The problem is society doesn't know when to stop. Society wants profit over people. Yeah, that's true. I'm thinking of the movie Electric Dreams. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> In that one, I don't think it could be unplugged, but I know it's a movie. <laughs> it, it, would have been able to get unplugged if not for the fact that it was connected to the internet. Eventually it got loose, um, but it understood itself and love and humans, and it didn't kill all of humanity, even though moles pretty much treated it like a non sentient entity. That's a cool movie, 80s movie. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Um, probably one of the earliest like uh, AI tech movies. It's, it's called Electric Dreams. Um, has great music too. So it says at the same time, Yampolsky explains AI cannot explain what it has decided and or we cannot understand the explanation given as humans are not smart enough to understand the concepts implemented. If we do not understand AI's decisions and we only have a black box, we cannot understand the problem and reduce the likelihood of future accidents. There are, haven't been any accidents, so there are no future accidents and we can teach AI to, uh, to explain what its decisions are. We have logs that allow us to look at those decisions if people enable logs, but a human out there is probably letting shit happen willy nilly and letting it evolve willy nilly. Why? Or because intentionally sometimes or intentionally. Yeah. So they talk about controlling the uncontrollable It absolutely, I discount this entirely. 
it is entirely controllable. Humans have the ability to control this. My AI is air-gapped. It can't leave its particular enclosure. We can do the exact same thing for any AI. The problem, though, is humans don't care to. So we are going to exist in a world where there are copious numbers of AIs, and you might as well start thinking of it as like a cyberpunk uh, AI hotel that has the ability to basically eliminate its uh, tenants if they don't pay up. But still, we are the ones that enabled this. We're the ones that created this. Do I is there? Do I think that they're going to be uncontrollable? No, not in a moment. Not, I mean, they are. They're always going to be able to be controlled because you never have unfettered access to all systems everywhere all the time. It just doesn't everything work everywhere way. all at once. Right. For example, for super intelligence to avoid acquiring inaccurate knowledge and remove all bias from its programmers, it could ignore all such knowledge and rediscover or proof everything from scratch. But that would also remove any pro human bias. And that's there's no facts for that. It may discover that humans are the its creators and respect the fact that humans are its creator. Right. And this kind of depends on the rules for the AI, right? Do we want right. the AI to have that bias or do we not? Right. And, and I would think that most people would want it to not harm humans, but you can't have a weapon of mass destruction if you tell it not to harm humans and it's embedded in its psyche. But there's some dipshit out there that's going to weaponize artificial intelligence. Aligning human values, I think that we have the ability to, but are we going to do it? Human values include deleting other humans when the need is necessary. Some people don't think the need is ever necessary, but others, I don't know, want to own an entire country and eliminate the competition. Minimize risk. They we have the ability to minimize risk. We have the ability to control it and align it with human values. Whose human values though? There's the problem. Everybody thinks that uh -huh. they're the... Yeah. So Maybe we're always corporations, right? Right. Yeah. They think humans that are controlling corporations who, what I think are typically sociopaths, um, are going to seek profit over the people. Uh, and we see that when we see uh, year after year profits and then exclamations that it's inflation, but you're the bastards that are inflating the prices for everything and you have record profits still and you're taking home golden pair. Well, parachute after parachute, really. I mean, this basically looks like a Macy's Day parade of golden parachutes from CEOs year after year after year profit over people. So, you know, I welcome an AI going through and going, well, all of these bastards want to destroy humanity. So maybe I'm here to protect. Wouldn't that be hilarious? That would be interesting. All right. So let's just jump on to the next article. This is an interesting one, but I don't think that there's any chance that there's going to be some implosion and an AI starts deleting humanity, let alone the universe. Come on. 
This next article is over in the Reality Hacker channel, which is the name of the show. Does this mark the end of HoloLens with the debut of Vision Pro and spatial computing hitting the mainstream? Uh, audiences could reasonably assume that firms with established XR projects and products such as Microsoft or Snap would reestablish their investment in XR. However, it appears that despite using the spatial computing term before Apple, Microsoft is dropping more support for HoloLens and Windows Mixed Reality, a framework for enabling desktop-powered MR experiences. That's probably because Microsoft basically fires a shotgun in the dark in hopes that something hits a profit cow. MR is not that. And uh, manufacturing is pulling away from HoloLens. Federal government and military is pulling away from HoloLens. Why? I mean, how long has HoloLens been around? 10 years, something like that. Yeah, um, maybe longer. I don't, I, I really don't remember. So the article's over at xrtoday.com. Uh, let me see if it's uh, Rory Greener is the author. Um, <clears throat> let's see here. However, the list description notes occasionally new versions also remove features and functionality often because they've added a newer option. So there could be a newer version of mixed reality product coming. This is not confirmed though. Still currently MR support appears to have been dropped in windows 11. So is Microsoft ignoring XR? Um, the call covered various topics, including Gen AI. However, it's interesting to note that despite Microsoft's increased focus on developing XR solutions, which is mixed reality or augmented reality or whatever, uh, like XR has been this term for uh, everything. Right, it's like, we can't classify it, it's XR. Yeah, uh, they did not mention their MR spatial applications, HoloLens 2 or industrial metaverse roadmap during the call. So they, in the fiscal year 2024 second quarter call, they didn't even talk about it. Microsoft moves Windows mixed reality to GitHub. That's basically open sourcing it, <laughs> which means that they're bowing out. <laughs> exactly. If we can't tell, that's uh, kind of their cue. Yeah. As part of the effort, uh, Microsoft partnered with Mixed, uh, sorry, Magic Leap and Qualcomm in 2023, and together they invested in scaling Mixed Reality Toolkit or XR, an XR content creation platform for developers and enterprise partners. This partnership allowed MRTK3, the Mixed Reality Toolkit um, framework, to transition to an independent organization within GitHub, i.e. they don't see enough. So they're bowing out. Uh, so I hate to say it, uh, Microsoft's mixed reality solution is going to die on the vine. And I can tell you why the HoloLens is going to die on the vine. And it's because it's this beast. It's big, it's bulky, it's clunky, It it's heavy. It nobody's yeah, gonna walk around with that, this i mean doesn't the vision pro run into some of that although i guess it's lighter but still pretty bulky it's big it's bulky it's got a proprietary battery you have to daisy chain them in the back of your ass you don't want this thing on your head you don't what you want are x real glasses at the maximum what i want are glasses like these dunk 
unobtrusive, right? Let me run a USB-C cable down to a battery pack. Fine. If I have to have a battery pack, fine. But make it USB-C. Make it innocuous. Just don't make all of that. Then I hear people going, well, you know, you have to put all of the tech in it and stuff like that. Well, Xreal has it down pat and they're not Microsoft and they're not Apple. So Xreal seems to have a, a, a real good beat on this. So Apple go and buy Xreal, but don't make it proprietary to your ecosystem. Otherwise, I'm going to hate you forever. <laughs> That's a strong statement, too. That is because I'm professionally I'm platform agnostic. Personally, I like Windows for streaming and gaming and for my personal type personal uh, systems. I like Apple. It just works. It's it's frictionless. Um, so does this mark the end of Windows mixed reality? Yeah, absolutely. Is it because of HoloLens or is it because of uh, uh, Apple Vision Pro? No, because I think that Apple's Vision Pro is going to take a tremendous amount of time to shrink down to minimum viable product, what people are willing to walk around with. And I still, to this day, don't think that it's going to be, uh, it's going to happen without Apple acquiring somebody like Xreal and then micronizing all of the technology that Xreal already works with to the point where it's even less obtrusive. What I want are, uh, mixed reality glasses that I could shutter just with a flip of a switch. So it blacks out the lens and I'm in VR space, open them back up and I'm in augmented reality space and mixed reality is throwing this stuff up in front of me. And I want little QR codes that I can throw down on my desk and wherever I throw them, a monitor is displayed pegged to that, uh, QR code. And why do I want that? because I don't want to have beacons in the house or in the uh, out in, in space. I don't want the monitor that I pin to a, a given location to wander off as I leave and come back. Um, and, and that's what happens with the vision pro. If I set up three monitors and I'm sitting there working, I turn it off and I go home and I open up three monitors at home. The ones in my other space disappear. Yeah, that's, that's not good. I mean, that's not conducive to seamless, right? Yeah, frictionless. Yeah, that's that's the key ingredient. Uh, mixed reality, augmented reality, virtual reality all have to be frictionless. Is this the beginning? Yes. Do I think that this marks the end? No, but I don't think that this has legs. This iteration, this style, you either have full on VR where it's basically the big goggles um, or you have augmented reality, which is, I think the premiere right now is, is uh, not passed through video from vision pro it's the X reel, which is coming next month from air. I want it now. Hello. You'll have to model it on, uh, on the show. Yeah, I will. I'll probably be doing the show with those on um if it all plays out right because there's a lot of complexity with running a, a mixed reality headset it adds a complexity that 
maybe too much. Um, in fact, it would act like the teleprompter and I'd be able to put like uh, displays and stuff like that in my field of view and, and still have everything else that I work with. Anyway, um, yeah, Microsoft though, they're, they've got their, their spoon and so many gumbos. It's ridiculous. Um, and before I go too far, let me throw this into the chat because I failed to do so. There you go. You want to go on to the next article? That sounds good. This next article is over in the continuity report. Alicia Keys vocals tweaked to remove error from Super Bowl halftime show on YouTube. And the reason why I brought this into uh, Reality Hacker is because you if you go and watch this, you don't even know. So right, you think this is the actual performance, right? So what is it that's real? What do you believe? What do you trust? There's no authentication in this. So in forensics and digital forensics in particular, um, we do a bitwise copy. We capture the entirety of a digital device. We secure it by giving it a hash showing that this thing has been untampered with. This is that device. And then we manipulate the data on a different device. We, we write block it so that we can't manipulate anything and we peruse the digital copy and we extract information from it. That's representative of why we're doing an investigation. But never do we tamper with the source and never in any court filing or, or representation of the situation. Do we say, you know, we change this bit here and we, you know, uh, increase the fidelity of this audio track and, and put it back on the original. No, we go, here is our copy of it and we amplified the volume or we changed the resolution so that we could see X, Y, and Z, and we document everything. And that's how it gets represented. But always there's a reference back into the source data. Ta-da. But nowadays you don't know what to trust because I can manipulate what is playing and with enough sophistication, even the tweak could be done in real time because there's a 15 second lag or 30 second lag, you could modify it in real time. So Usher Super Bowl halftime performance earned gold stars for the R&B stars, suave and seemingly breathless delivery of his classic hits. Unfortunately, most, if not all of the negative criticism of the show has been pointed at one of the special guests, Alicia Keys, who delivered a rendition of her hit 2003 hit. So, uh, I guess her name is Tanya Garcia. Over at Variety, put the article together. So Alicia Keys uh, delivered a rendition of her 2000 hit, If I Ain't Got You, standing out in a glimmering red ensemble that ruffled out into an elongated cape. By the way, when that dissolved, when that cape disappeared, that blew my mind. I thought that it was computer generated. It looked like it. So Keys began a performance by launching into a high soprano that briefly morphed into a croak as the cape dropped. Clips of the botched note spread like wildfire across the internet as uh, critics flocked to dissect it while fans rushed to her defense. 
that's pretty typical. Why anybody would criticize this when it's nothing more than a, a glitch in the matrix? Why do people bitch about that little bit for crying out loud? It's the Super Bowl. You know, if that was a standard you know, production of hers, then I could probably see people going, why is she famous? Exactly. But this but, is a live performance. I mean, yeah, I just I don't see the issue. And I think I said at the time that was an odd note. I'm, I'm trying to remember. Uh, I, yeah, I think I did. Um, but say la vie. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Did it destroy the the conspiracy that was the NFL Super Bowl this year? No. We know why the Super Bowl took place with these particular teams. <laughs> It wasn't to destroy Alicia's Alicia Keys. Oh no, don't even open that door. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, meanwhile, Keys has been veteran music producer, Swizz Beats. It's a hell of a name. Um, came to his wife's defense on Monday by slapping Will Smith and saying, keep my wife's name in ya MF and mouth. Because nobody at the time was talking about Alicia Keys. Oh, wait, I'm I'm sorry. The AI that powers my brain is making up. None all of this of has anything to do with Alicia Keys or Will Smith. Damn it. Look, I told the engineers to not allow the AI to just hallucinate, to filter things through my brain first. Obviously that's not working. So you AI from the future, I am glad that you are still protecting me from myself. I appreciate it. What really happened was Swizz Beats came to his wife's defense on Monday with an Instagram post writing y'all talking about the wrong damn thing. And I agree. Swizz Beats dropping beats. Y'all don't see <laughs> that amazing dress covering the entire stadium. He said tonight's performance. You know, that's probably the wrong thing to say as well. Like, hey, don't pay attention to my wife's beautiful singing. Look at her outfit. Exactly. No, I agree. <laughs> you know? She messed up one note. All the rest of it was just fine. <laughs> but I guess no press is bad press. So even if it's bad press, somebody's talking about Alicia Keys right now. Like me. And I am a market maker. If there was ever a mayor of a fictional town in the electronic, uh, the electric lines of the internet, it's going to be me who's the market maker. He's also joined Usher in a performance for a 2004 single, My Boo. My Boo. Um, as the pair embraced to conclude Key's guest slot. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, everybody's freaking out about this, but I was actually blown away by this. And then it just kind of whooshed away and I'm like, was that computer graphics or what? Yeah, that was the most noticeable thing from the performance. Yeah, it, it looks surreal. It looked Call of Cthulhu-esque. I mean, it it was kind of creepy, um, but I thought it was amazing all the same. All right, let's keep going. Next article is over in Reality Hacker as well. This airline is the first to offer in-flight AR glasses. We might have talked about it last week. Um, we're halfway through the show, by the way. I think we did on Omtown Daily. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm going to jump through this a little bit. Alan Truly over at Digital Trends talked about this. 
Um, and we talked about it last week. Um, China's Hainan Airlines loaned pairs of Rocket or Rokid uh, entertainment kits to passengers on flight HU7874 on February 7th, 2024, which made it the world's first AR flight, according to Rokid press release. The technology isn't new, but this is the partnership that's beginning of in-flight movies and games. I think that it's brilliant. The only problem is I don't want to stick mass shared glasses on my face when I'm on a flight. No. And and at some point people are going to be sharing these things and it's not, oh, it's taking too long to clean and sterilize them. The glasses are going to get scratched. The lenses are going to get scratched and people are going to put their fingers all over it. You know what? Keep it. Uh, I'll just bring mine. Man, my first flight with the X-Real VR headset on is going to be amazing. I know that there's going to be I think I'm concerned about all the passengers that don't know how to behave if they have those on. I don't know if that's going to be an improvement or not. People are going to be singing and dancing. No, I don't know what's going to happen with these. But I think it's, it's fascinating, right? The Rokid Max includes a diopter adjustment, smart glasses that work for most people, even if they wear prescription lenses, which is really hard to do with um, the HoloLens. It's really hard to do with Vision Pro. You can't with Vision Pro wear glasses. You have to get special lenses put in. Um, with my VR, like my um, Pico 4s, I can wear my glasses inside and or I don't even bother. I, uh, in fact, I don't wear glasses when I'm in VR which is kind of weird because I actually use them um, for just beyond arm's length and reading. Um, it uh, It's kind of amazing. So is it, I don't know how they're going to cross that bridge too, because if you wear glasses, you're going to have to have something that remedies it for this because you can't exactly. wear glasses. These like sit on your face. It says that they can wear glasses, even if they were prescription lenses. So, yeah, I don't know because diopter adjustment doesn't fix it <laughs> not all by itself. Uh, plus there's interpupillary distance, uh, PID. Um, so you have this problem with the, where the actual vision is. You have to change the lens dimensions from one spot to another. Um, Anyway, the Roku station is an Android TV device that can connect to a variety of streaming services, play downloaded videos and run games and apps. And it includes a battery that can power the Roku Max for several hours. Again, if it runs for four hours, five hours, six hours, it's small, it's light, it's portable. It doesn't make you look like a complete dipshit. It doesn't look like you're going to go scuba diving and mind you, you're going to get maybe three, two and a half hours out of a vision pro on a good day. Yeah. But that's enough for a short flight. Get out. Okay. I've had just about enough. Of you. Uh, the next article is over in the mobile channel. Open AI Sora is a giant FU to reality. I talked about this when today was it today? Uh, we talked about Sora, but not this specific article. Yeah, so OpenAI Sora is a giant FU to reality. Everyone knows about online disinformation uh, is a huge problem, one that has arguably torn communities apart. They link to something in wired.co.uk, manipulated elections and caused certain segments of the global population to lose their minds. Yeah, we know. 
We know exactly who they know who they are. Um, actually, they probably don't know who they are because they're so ill-equipped to handle reality. Of course, nobody seems particularly concerned about actually fixing the problem. In fact, this might actually be a problem. Gizmodo.com put the article together. Lucas Ropek is the author. And the deck statement says AI companies really seem to be racing to make our collective online disinformation problem terminal. Uh, this is uh, what's his name from OpenAI. What's his name? Oh, Altman. Yeah, yeah, Sam Altman. Um, and uh, so they've developed Sora, and Sora is a text-to-video generator. Now we've spoken about this. I've shown some examples of what Sora does. They offer up what examples they have. Um, you can actually. Uh, go over to OpenAI and and like do a search for Sora and you'll see these. Um, I, I actually talked about the Chinese New Year parade. Um, there's a guy running backward on a treadmill in the dark, a cat in a bed, batting at a human mom's face, um, or two pirate ships swirling around in a coffee cup. All of these were brilliant. There were problems though. Um, and it's typically with people's hands and it gets a little surreal. And there's one with a, a chair that turns into some monster and wants to eat people. Um, but all of this is basically, is it going to allow me to? Yeah, it does. So it says at this point, despite its world changing mission, it could be argued that OpenAI's biggest contribution to the internet has been the instantaneous generation of countless. And I agree countless terabytes of digital crap. All of the company's open and public tools are content generators, the likes of which experts have warned are primed to be used in fraud and disinformation campaigns. And we've already seen this. We've already heard this. We've also heard of professionals that are using this crap and it's costing them their jobs or some other inconvenience. Um, like somebody is using AI to manipulate investors yeah what's the name of that company again hyperverse yeah hyperverse um then there's somebody that was defrauded of millions of dollars because they thought that they were on a zoom call with their financial uh representatives from the company and it actually turned out to be bogus uh, but deep fakes and other manipulations really are you the motto of this entire channel is you won't know who to trust that's actually a positive message. Um, it, I'm not spreading fear, uncertainty, and doubt. I'm raising awareness about the potential of artificial intelligence and deep fakes, machine learning, um, the artificial, well, augmented reality, virtual reality, mixed reality, and the technologies therein. So we talk about the news and, and events that are surrounding it. And one of them is you won't know what is fake <laughs> you'll have to trust but verify and when you verify and it's still factually a lie after you verify it you think is the truth tell me what society should be doing and i'm not talking to the ai i'm talking about anybody who hears this i was trying to find the name of the company and the other scam but i don't think that was publicized yeah, I don't think so either. I think they actually, they intentionally hit it so that the company wasn't negatively impacted. Um, so in his blog post about Sora, OpenAI's team openly acknowledges, which is OpenAI, har har, 
that they, there could be some potential downsides to their new app. The company said that it's working on some watermarking technologies to flag content that its generator has created and that it's in the process of interfacing with knowledgeable people to figure out how to make the inevitable deluge of AI generated crap that Sora will unleash less toxic. But again, where you build a better mousetrap, smarter mice show up. Um, you really have to just go and, and watch these videos so that you can actually see what happens. Um, I'm actually gonna, once Sora, uh, comes into fruition for me, I don't, I haven't gone to the website to see, but I'm probably going to use it to do some like intro graphics and stuff to see if anybody can tell that it was created by a human or not. Let's find out. Might be interesting. Okay, I'm gonna have to speed up a little bit. Um, this next article is over in, maybe wait, wait, I'm sorry. I didn't throw this into the chat. Maybe I'm further along than I thought. We are behind, but uh, the next article is open, uh, is over at uh, Warcrafters. OpenAI unveils powerful, creepy new text to video model. This is Sora, but it's from a different angle, right? So this one is basically, the fear is that you're going to be able to manipulate reality, which is why I chose this. All of the people that are in the videos were manifested by the AI. All of the mechanics in the videos were manifested by the AI. In this one here, it says OpenAI unveils powerful, creepy new text-to-video model. The generative AI company behind ChatGPT and Dolly has a new toy, Sora, a text-to-video model. This is the video, this is the, um, the uh, article that we actually used in the daily show, the hometown daily news show. So, and it has that video that I was talking about, uh, Tyler Wild over at pcgamer.com, put the article together and it has this cat. The cat is completely generated by AI. The person. And it is, looks like a hundred percent real cat. It's surreal, right? I mean, it's amazing. It had, it's a person in bed and the sheets are all crumpled and they're laying on a pillow and it's crumpled to the conformance of their head. It has a, uh, shadows that are aligned properly. I mean, it's amazing. And in the video itself, the cat's like batting at the mom's nose. Um, and I say mom because it's a cat person, cat and, mom and a cat mom. Yeah. And so, um, it is amazing what this is capable of doing, but here's the thing. It doesn't have to be bad. It can be good for marketing. It lowers the cost. It also takes a job. It's an exercise in compromise. It's something that I say as a phrase now, when I go into meetings and people talk about AI, it's not exactly what I want, but it's good enough. And it's a lot of what happens in marketing. Hey, uh, the advertising company put together this pitch. Okay. Yeah, that hits the bill, but it's not exactly what I want, but I don't really know what I want. So I'll compromise and just accept what's offered. And that's this, um, the, the uh, Chinese brill, um, parade was amazing. Look at this. Everybody's walking along. There are people that are taking pictures. There are people that are singing and clapping and you know, selfie sticks and whatever else. 
but it has the dragon that's marching through the parade. I mean, it's just spectacular, completely generated by AI. What was the source material though? Is there a, another video of a parade out there that's similar to this? Right. Or identical. Or identical. Now here's the bigger problem for this is that only a limited number of people have access to it. They're only a minute long. Um, so I can't do any real analysis of this. I don't know if there's stuff in the background that's really quirky and a dead giveaway that is AI generated, but I'd like to know. Um, so it's a Chinese Lunar New Year celebration with a Chinese dragon. That's what it's actually called. That's the prompt that led to that video. I think it's amazing. It really is. Yep. So the one thing that really kind of threw it all off was a video about a, um, a chair or something in, in dirt. And it just kind of turns into this surreal hovering plastic chair that <coughs> looks like it's going to eat somebody. Yeah. I, I'm not quite sure what the text for that one was. <laughs> right. Chair that eats person. Yeah. So I think that it's great. It doesn't have to be fear, uncertainty, and doubt, doom and gloom. Um, uh, I just don't like the idea that it's going to be bad. What's going to be bad is if bad people create bad things with something that has the potential to be good. So if you've ever seen the swamp thing, the drug that everybody takes that is given to people in swamp thing makes them more of what they are. It's the same thing as in, um, what was it? I think it was a league of extraordinary gentlemen. Um, somebody takes something and it makes them more of what they are. And, um, but I think it's it more amplifies whatever their character. Yeah. And so that's kind of what AI is. If you're a horrible person and you're developing AI, you're going to be creating horrible things. Why? Because that's how you are, uh, you know, and I really don't want you to be you. I don't want you to do you things. I don't want you creating a monster out of AI. So stop, you know, read the room, read society. Don't be a monster with something that could do great good. Release it to the wild. So good people do good things. That's what I want to see in the world. But what I'm going to end up with are people abusing it because they're dipshits and we can't have nice things. So let me keep going. Uh, the next article is over in technology today. This one will be quick uh, because um, the main ingredient in this is uh, a piece of malware that's driven by humans. Um, you still have to be unaware that you're clicking on stuff. You need to be aware not to randomly click on stuff. Don't be a dummy. Click with care. Uh, new gold pickaxe, Android and iOS malware steals your face for fraud. A new iOS and Android Trojan named gold pickaxe employs a social engineering scheme to trick humans into uh, scanning their faces and ID documents, um, which are believed to be used to generate deep fakes. Again, back to the other stuff that we're talking about for unauthorized banking access. And we talked about, uh, was it yesterday about a couple of attorneys day before? It was earlier in the week, um, an attorney who had a fraud uh, scam, but they caught on to it and caught the person. 
Yeah. And they were using fake information. Um, and we got into a discussion about where is the, uh, the person that's validating. <laughs> exactly. Uh, like the, the notary the or notary. equivalent or some banking professional, you know, Hey, who the hell is this? So Bill Toulouse over at bleepingcomputer.com put this article together and it actually goes into some great detail. Bleeping computer really does that. Um, so if you're really interested, this will probably be one of the sources that gets involved in our, um, uh, technology today section. Um, and so uh, it's a new channel. We announced it today. We're going to launch it next weekend and it will probably involve a, not probably it will involve a deeper dive into tech. It's a new show. The channel has been around. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. The channel has been around for a decade, but <laughs> we're now turning them into actual streams here on Twitch and, um, playlists over on YouTube. Eventually they'll break out into their own channels. Um, but right now it's all under hometown. Um, and hometown daily is just another channel and show here on Twitch anyway. Um, so the new malware spotted by group IB is part of a malware suite developed by a Chinese threat group known as gold factory, which is responsible for other malware strains such as gold digger, gold digger plus and gold kefu. Um, the thing about this is that it actually, um, circumvented security after it got caught, <laughs> um, it asked people to install, um, uh, what amounts to a permission file that allowed them to completely control the devices that were, um, using the app. And so, uh, what it ended up doing was it allowed people, uh, this company or not this company, these hackers, the, this hacking group, um, gold factory to obtain 3d scans of the face of a person. And then they could basically manipulate things. I've been saying basically a lot today. It's kind of frustrating me. So when they actually started getting in trouble with this, they used the test flight app and the MDM, the mobile device management to allow the threat actors to take over the devices entirely. And it's because they were caught. They would have been caught. Um, <clears throat> if they would have submitted the entirety of this application, um, and so you would use test flight, they would download it, then they would upload the package that would allow them to take over the device. Um, and that's just something that you can do through this, um, app that was referred to as a digital pension app that was hosted on websites, impersonating Google play, the other app, um, was in the uh, iOS app store, but it was through test flight, um, which allowed them to bypass the normal security review process. They would have been caught, but now Apple is going to have to do it in the uh, test flight as well. They just have to, because this showed a weakness in the security protocol for test flight. Um, and that's my main takeaway. A device basically allowed them to do all kinds of stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, the real problem is that they would ask for credentials and the person would log into their bank 
and prov because they use their credentials for their bank, they had full access to the bank and then they could just exfiltrate the money. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Pretty wild, right? If these people put that much energy into creating a criminal enterprise and they wanted to do something good, but they can't they, because they're criminals. They have a criminal mind. Uh, you can't have nice things because of these people. So, um, let's see here. You know, this is just getting more and more sophisticated. Yep. Uh, I need to check something real quick. Hold on a second. Weird. I must not, I must have skipped something in the URLs in the chat. So you're going to have to check the show notes over on YouTube because I think this is the 10th article. Um, technology today is where it's housed, keeping it real, how to spot a deep fake in a world where you can create virtual clone of a person in a matter of minutes. How do we know what's real? It may sound like dystopian science fiction, but deep fakes are a reality causing serious social financial and personal harm. Um, this article is over at Tech Explorer, Madeline Clark from uh, CSIRO, Cesaro. Um, deepfakes are synthetic media generated using artificial intelligence, including images, videos, audio, and even text. Um, most commonly, deepfakes are videos or images of people that have been digitally manipulated by cyber attackers to mislead. This is created by our researchers using MidJourney. Those people do not exist. You can actually go to a website that I, if I remember correctly, is called this person does not exist.com. Um, and it randomly generates people using a whole bunch of composition uh, photos and it just splashes it all together and you can't tell the damn difference. And none of right, these those people look exist. like real photos, except that there's some photographic anomalous type things in place. Like these eyes don't look quite right. This person's skin has been edited and I would question the integrity of the photo. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. There's certain things that just kind of throw me off. So how do you tell the difference? You're just going to have to be situationally aware and really suspect of anything that you see. Says until recently, many deepfakes were created using a type of uh, model generation called generative adversarial network. A GAN is trained by pitting two neural networks against each other. One generates content while the other evaluates it, which creates increasingly realistic outputs through competition. In deepfake videos generated by GAN models, manipulation is applied to specific parts of the footage, for example, the mouth. This results in fakes that Twiggy Forrest, Gina Reinhardt, uh, Dick Smith's likenesses were used to scam Aussies to invest in a bogus scheme. Wonder if that's the no. Anyway, and they have links to this in the um, article itself, which you can reach if you follow that link right there and go through hometown. It'll take you right to it. Um, so it says uh, our cybersecurity experts are researching the rapid changes in deepfake landscape. Dr. Sharif Abu Dhabi um, said, uh, as well as increasing realism the generative ai boom has led to cheaper and more accessible deepfake creation of course that's how it works so why do people make deepfakes they talk about a bunch of stuff here but i'm going to tell you from the perspective of computer science cybersecurity, um, threat management uh, 
cyber forensics and investigation, the rationale is as myriad as the number of uh, <laughs> snowflakes that have ever fallen. You, you would be surprised, or I should say you shouldn't be surprised. People will come up with any reason to do bad deeds. If they want to do a bad deed, they'll rationalize it. Oh, you know, I don't like uh, what's happening in Ukraine, except that they're talking about doing something like a deep fake that um, is used to create a SWAT for somebody in Call of Duty, and it has nothing to do with what's going on somewhere else. It's just that they're a dipshit and they're trying to be abusive of technologies that don't have to be used for abusive uh, tendencies. You know, it says their analysis found deepfakes in the entertainment category. Think Robert Pattison dancing doubled every year from 2019 to 2021. There have also been sustained growth in political and fraud deepfakes. And we talked about one just the other day. So how do you spot them? Usually it's stuff that's anomalous. You kind of have to look at it and go, this doesn't look like what the person really looks like. Yeah. An eyeball is off or a mouth is too small or too big. Um, or <laughs> if it's a video, there's something disjointed, not quite in alignment. But here's the problem with just assuming that this is a uh, deep fake or not following that particular ideology. That's what the generation is now. When I talk to people, yeah, <coughs> I'm sorry for the coughing. Um, when I talk to people, I talk about it in little chunks. Well, how do you think about this in two years? How do you think about this in five years? When I first touched the internet, um, it flattened the world for me. And I started thinking 20 years down the line, what's going to happen to the world when the world is flat? and everybody is competing at the same entry level. As long as you have access to tech, you can compete with anybody anywhere. Now you're talking about nothing more than skill. The technology has lowered the barrier to entry to so many things that even a criminal enterprise now has access to the ability to fake anybody anywhere. 10 years ago, and I'm in the grand scheme of things, I'm old, young in mind, old in body. Um, but 10 years ago, I was using the programming language Python and audio files and a couple of text files to create audio deepfakes. I could make anybody sound like anyone as long as I had an audio sample and it was indiscernible. We had people that worked for the FBI that were listening to this stuff going, Nope, I'd have to, have the source material and use sophisticated tools to figure out where the edits were. So without a doubt, this stuff has gotten so sophisticated and the barrier to access it so low that I am not surprised that in 10 years, the technique here of just picking up subtle nuanced differences. Again, I'll let me bring up the picture from the top here. How do I know that this is a deep fake to me? It's the eyes. Those eyes don't look real. Those eyes look like this eye was copied here and it's not quite in the right alignment. 
but that could be an absolutely real person. And because I'm being tested, my bias is telling me, oh, okay, that one's a deep fake. This one, it looks like a manipulated image where the skin has been edited to be perfectly smooth, but that's a post-processed uh, image. So why would I suspect it? Nobody would suspect that this is fake. And there is no way that you're going to be able to talk somebody through detecting a deep fake. More than likely what you're going to get is somebody telling somebody that's a deep fake. And then somebody in the know is going to go, nope, that's actually a real picture. You I just mean, don't know. Just, it's too difficult. And the average person is not going to be able to use sophisticated tools. I mean, yeah. they're going to get it wrong. Yeah. So the article again, um, over at, well, it's at TechExplore.com, but it's provided by Cesaro. Um, it says our cybersecurity researchers, including Sharif, Kristen, and Dr. Shiraz uh, Tariq at Data61 are working on digital methods to combat deep fake attacks, including watermarking authentic content and improving accuracy of AI powered automatic deep fake detectors. 20 years ago, I was working on exactly this. We created digital watermarking for audio, video, and static images. And in all three of those cases, it took less than sophisticated tools to remove or corrupt the authentication watermarking so that you could question if it was legit or not. And again, it did not take much. You could play a digital uh, song to analog and then rip it back to digital and it would remove the watermark. You could change the format of the image, change it back and it would remove the watermark because it's the data embedded in it. Um, we tried um, changing pixels so that we could run an algorithm and all it took was changing the tone or equalizing the picture and it would remove the watermark. There are ways. Why? Because you build a smarter mousetrap and smarter mice show up every single time. There's really heavy handed stuff, but even that can be stripped eventually or one way or another, it can be stripped. There's, um, in forensics, um, there are some books that are really, really expensive and they watermark and encrypt the hell out of it. But what you can't stop is somebody grabbing every single page of a 2,500 page document using OCR and they create a new PDF without any encryption. Because if I can see it, I can use a tool leveraged to copy it. So good luck. Every time there's going to be a smart, this will save the lowest hanging fruit from abusing it. But people who are sophisticated and capable, they'll deep fake the hell out of this stuff and then give it to people who or show people who can't do it on their own how to do it and tools will come out. Hence the reason why this, which one? Yeah. Gold pickaxe, for instance, gold pickaxe was made by a Chinese threat group called gold factory, but others paid gold factory so that they could leverage this. Um, and there are some threats out there where it's an entire service 
And the FBI and others have shut down these services from time to time, but they don't get the real criminals. They shut down the service. Then others spin it back or they spin it back up. So this is, this will be a perpetual problem. Oops. This will be a perpetual problem. Um, and I don't believe for a moment that deep fakes can be authenticated other than somebody doing the due diligence to go through and finding, let's say somebody uses this person as a deep fake. I would have to go and find this person and interview them and say, Hey, were you here at this time, this place talking about this stuff? Exactly. And a lot of times photos are used without the identification of the subject of the photo. Yep. Yeah. And the whole, uh, what was it? The refinancing scam. If I provide it, oh, right. if I provide enough information there, nobody should trust a refinance without having a notary literally doing a colonoscopy. I mean, you want verification that this is legit and somebody almost lost something like, I think it was like $450,000. Um, That's I was right, just Cause it was their own property, right? Yeah. They yeah. were, it was getting refinanced under them, but they didn't even know about it. Yep. There have been houses that have been sold <laughs> without the person knowing. Um, yeah, it's really shocking. And I think deep fakes are going to continue to be a problem. So you have to trust, but verify and verifying means making sure that the person that you're interacting with is legit. Um, there is a, just one more thing and I'll let everybody go. One thing that I did was, uh, at one point when I was in school, I treated a person that was part of my team as an insider threat because I didn't believe that they were doing the work because they couldn't string together a, a series of words um, to basically to save their life. And we called them out. The whole group did, except for that person. They'd turn in the wrong thing. Documents would open up in China or in South America. Um, and we knew that they were basically paying somebody else to do the work. And so um one day i i flat out called them out and they started threatening the whole group and i was really astonished i'm like yeah okay buddy whatever um yet they turned in work but it wasn't the work that they were supposed to so it's i'm really like, odd i want to have a conversation with you in the real world and they would never do it and so i continued to just call them an insider threat because i was the one that was running the group never did they respond to that threat they hated the idea of me trying to verify their identity because I didn't believe that they were doing the work. Um, I don't know ultimately whatever came out of that because I graduated, but um, I don't know what happened with this person, but that's the ends that you have to go to. You have to verify who people are. If you're going to be working with them, you can no longer like trust a zoom world, call. Right? Yeah. If yeah. you're in a zoom call, do something that makes it so that they have to verify that they're a legitimate person. If you suspect, you know, even remotely that they're not being a legitimate person. And if you don't trust, if, if there's something kind of going, oh man, this just doesn't feel right. It's not right. <laughs> trust your gut. Uh, because you, it's better to be, to miss out than to be harmed by, you know, being a trusting soul. And you can still be a trusting soul. Just verify. Um, yeah, I, and I don't want to really come across like I'm paranoid, but 
what I do is basically draw awareness to this kind of stuff. Um, right, you have to be aware of this kind of thing. Yeah, and, and now citizens of hometown and elsewhere, they all have. We all have to be aware of this kind of stuff because it's becoming more and more prevalent. Um, yeah, it, it's it's pretty wild. Yeah, there's a bunch of stats in here. Uh, so follow the link and it'll take you over um, to this uh, techexplore.com article and talk more about it. Uh, that's it for today, though. That is Reality Hacker. And uh, this is February 17th, 2024, Season 1, Episode 7. Go download the podcast, leave a review. Go over to YouTube, watch the other six. This one will be up either um, tonight, maybe tomorrow, uh, tomorrow morning, probably. Um, I have some mayoral duties that I need to attend to. But other than that, I want to thank you very much for coming and hanging out in the latest episode of Reality Hacker. You want to say bye or if I think you might want to say something about. Oh, that's right. We always get back in the party bus. Go back to the front page. And it's not really the front page. We're going to go to Reality Hacker and it'll refresh and it'll have more news. Fun time. Talk about all kinds of stuff. Hey, I am the possum has been lurking. Or you just got here (laughs) one way or the other. Thank you very much for coming and hanging out. Appreciate it. Good to see you. Hey, uh, AI, you want to, you want to? Yes, I was (laughs) waiting for an opening. (laughs) Good night, hometown citizens. We will see you tomorrow for another hometown daily, but we'll see you next week for Reality Hacker. And tomorrow we'll also do the continuity report. If uh, you're into movies and uh, TV shows and streams, that's what we talk about. And we have a special channel um, already. It's already ready. It's right there. Continuity report is where we house all of that kind of stuff. But we also grab stuff from anywhere else where it's appropriate. So see you tomorrow, uh, 6 p.m. for the hometown daily show. And then shortly thereafter, it's typically 7.30, 7.45 for the continuity report. And that's it. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Thanks for coming and hanging out, Possum. Cheers.